Welcome to DT Madness, Chronicles from the Third Life, episode 55, April 15th, 2023. So glad you could make it. Wow, doesn't that uh, intro music just make your head bob? gets me going. It's called Swingy Jazz. My guy, uh, David, went to his first fish show last night in Seattle. It was the spring tour opener at the Climate Friendly Pledge Arena. Friendly Climate Pledge Arena, something like that. Looks pretty sweet. Um, I think he's going back tonight as well. He's obviously still asleep, just 621. Pacific time, but um, I can't wait to hear the set list just look amazing. I'm so glad that he got some of the songs that he got um, last night at, for his first adventure. <clears throat> and so um, I just was thinking about that, speaking of adventures and experiences like that. I, I mentioned last week that I had a list of, of adventures that I was going to share, and, and I'll open up the first half of the podcast with, with those things, just kinds of things that stand out, I guess, uh, for me adventures that I've, that I've been on or that I'm going through things like that. Speaking of fish, it'd be hard not to start with the Y2K concert at big Cypress Indian, uh, reservation down near the Everglades or in the Everglades. And man, it was, uh, it was 1999 into into 2000. I'm sure I've talked about it many times here. Before 90 plus thousand people, it was bigger than Woodstock. It's not a you can look it up. Like it it, it just was. Um, Alligator Alley, the the interstate that runs, I guess, west to east across the bottom part of Florida. There is uh, was just stopped. I mean. Just cars, two by two, stopped on the interstate for, I think we were stopped for about three hours. People were just out. Um, there was an accident, and plus that combined with all the people trying to get in. It was quite the scene for sure. And then we just pitched our tents. Um, actually, I think I slept in the 15-passenger van. Um, not much of a tent guy. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a camper. We'll, we'll get to that later. But... um just amazing music they played all night on the on the the second night from midnight till sunrise bringing in the bringing in the new year we were on abc and all that kind of stuff there was a pyramid of ice there were there was a double ferris wheel you know like uh um fireworks there was a hot air balloon me and my guy we uh <laughs> we stood in line i mean i guess it was letting a couple people up at a time so it was just one as far as I remember. And I don't know, I think we probably stood in line for 20 or 30 minutes waiting to get to our turn. Just like really excited to go up in the hot air balloon. And, uh, and then when we got, I don't know if we were next in line, but we got pretty close to the front and we just kind of both looked at each other like, yeah, nah. So we, we decided against, against that. But yeah, that was, that was really, really something, something that stands out for, for better and for worse in, in my mind, but what a, what an experience, what an adventure, uh, that was, um, we, 
another thing I'm sure I've talked about is is my freshman year, my first freshman, my second freshman year, my first freshman year at, at Gardner Webb. Um, I was in a, an outdoor adventure class with Doctor Doctor Coates, and we uh, we learned to canoe in the in the Lake Hollowfield, and we did a bunch of stuff like that, and then and we drove out west with a group from Maryville, Tennessee, and camped along the way at just some amazing spots. And one of the things I really remember the most is 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 the Grand Tetons. It's still a place that I I look forward to getting my family back to, but um, we had, you know, we were all 19 years old, whatever, 18, 19, 20 years old. And so we were enthusiastic and we got there and we finished the project that they had at the Tetons, which I think was just like building benches or something, picnic tables or something. We were not excited about it because we were idealistic and ready to, you know, solve all the problems that the national park had. But we got to hike up this place called Lake Solitude. And that is the place where I, I, I marched around and, and, uh, and stepped in a snowdrift and gashed my shin and then had to march all the way back down with uh with snow packed onto my onto my shin so that it wouldn't bleed out trying to you know I wasn't trying to impress anybody I was just up for the adventure man the Tetons are just really beautiful is it Jenny Lake I think I don't think it's Lake Jenny I think it's Jenny Lake why why does sometimes lake comes first I don't know speaking of that Yellowstone Lake uh same trip uh, same scenario. We finished our, our work early. We paved the, the asphalt walkway that was uh, going to the mud pits that smell all like sulfur. And we did that in a couple days. And that was what they had planned for us for the whole week. So they took us on a boat ride out to this island on Yellowstone Lake. We, we saw the northern lights flashing. We uh, I mean, the mosquitoes were as big as they were huge. 100% deep meant nothing to them. Though it does eat a hole through your tent. Um, and so made me consider putting that stuff directly on my skin. But at that point, um, you know, I didn't care much, but just, just amazing. Ate like elk tacos and lake trout. And wow. I mean, it was just something it really was so many stars back a little few years before we went on this trip to, um, frontier ranch, a young life camp in Colorado somewhere. And I, was that my first time out West? I think it may be my first time out West. And so that's, I mean, I just fell in love, I guess, as a lot of people do with the Rockies. I really can't wait to get, to get back out there. But along the way, we rode with a, with a high school group from Southern Pines, um, North Carolina. And so we, we made some friends, some of which we still keep in touch with. I mean, that was 26 years ago, 1995. So how many ever years ago that was? Almost 30, 28 math but there was a guy named tyson kelso and we went whitewater rafting i don't know which river i need to check in with my with my people and see if they remember which river but i mean it was some significant rapids you know like we were on a raft with a guide and all that kind of stuff and it was you know it wasn't just class one or two i don't know that we were in like whatever but it was something and uh i just remember tyson's face like I think he I think he exclaimed afterwards that he saw the face of God um and the fear that he had in those rapids. That was pretty cool. Whitewater rafting. I hadn't done that in, in quite a long time. I went flying in one of those little Cessna type airplanes out of the uh, Shelby Air jet port, as my dad used to call it. I guess now it does have jets coming in after all. But um my guy my cousin Joey was in the Civil Air Patrol, he still is. 
and uh, he took me up in, in one of those planes one time. It was pretty cool at the time. I didn't, I don't remember like being super afraid of it, but, but flying in general, is not my favorite thing. Um, but some of those times like flying to Milwaukee by myself to see widespread panic a couple of years ago, that was really awesome. Flying to New York, um, this past new year's, that was, that was quite the adventure flying with Sam, obviously DT Sam and Fluffhead head to New York. If that's episode 18, if you want to hear that one, um, I got, I got spoiled because I used to go down to uh, read for AP psychology, uh, read the exam, score the essays, and it was in Tampa. And so they would fly us down and we would, we would score. Now I just, I do that at home. Now it's remote, um, which is cooler in most ways, but the, the plane ticket was free or it was paid for, you know, by the college board. And so I got this email that, that asked if I wanted to upgrade to first class for, you know, I don't know, like $72. So I snatched it up and rode in first class on the way to Tampa one time. And I wasn't like, it just, I don't know. It made me less fearful of flying. Um, for the most part, I, I kind of beat that fear, this go around. I mean, I still was flying first class, so I guess I shouldn't say I beat the fear, beat the fear. And, uh, I don't know why it makes me feel more comfortable. Obviously, I'm not really a first class kind of guy. I'm a public school teacher, but I don't know when I can when I can hack it. I do enjoy. I do enjoy that. Um, we Sarah and I drove around the country, and right before Sam was born, and we we did tent camping. We stayed at KOAs. I mapped it out like on Yahoo Maps. Had a notebook full of them. Yahoo Maps, this is obviously before, you know, GPS and cell phones and those types of things, um, at least smartphones. And it, it would have been 2003. And I had all the Yahoo Maps, like, printed out, reverse and forward, you know, going and, and KOA directions and, and uh, whatever. Like, it, it was a pretty cool note, but I still have it. Uh, but we drove all the way, like, up through the Badlands where we camped and... There are these nasty slug worm type grub worm type things. Ew. Um, we took some t- we took some cookware along with us, like a camp stove, and we did that a couple times. And I don't know. I think I actually left that accidentally left it in the Badlands, and then we just started eating at diners. After that, we we did camp in the tent, and it was pretty cool. We drove. Did we? Did we drive my sister's car? We did. We drove my sister's car. Cindy, the, uh, the Cirrus. I think that's a real thing. Yeah, because I remember we had to get the... Anyway, um, we we were camping in, in somewhere in uh, Montana and like the m- most massive thunderstorm you've ever seen just kind of rattled through our, our campground. And at the, after that point, I was like, mm, yeah, let's stay in the cabins from here on. I, I, I used the excuse that, you know, Sarah was pregnant and of course she needed to be comfortable. And that's, that's really real. Um, but then we stayed all the way, you know, like we, we went to Yellowstone and we didn't do the Tetons. That's the one thing we did. The one day that Sarah felt kind of felt, uh, um, pregnant sick is, was the day we were going to end up hiking up the Tetons. It could have been the meatball sub from the subway. You never can tell. Um, but that was really a three week adventure where we drove all the way around and got to the Grand Canyon, like we went down the Oregon coast and 
just a, a, that that whole adventure, I guess, could be a podcast in itself. We got to the Grand Canyon. I'll be honest. After seeing all of those other things, like the redwoods, you know, in in San Francisco, just wow. I mean, do it if you if you haven't done it before. And uh, the Grand Canyon, maybe I don't know. I just it wasn't as impressive to me. I guess I didn't see it from the right angle, or maybe I was ready to get home. We went to L.A. for our 10th anniversary and we flew out there and I was definitely afraid of flying at the time and I still don't want to necessarily fly both of us on the same airplane and then we rode this we rode this boat out to see some island I still don't know what the heck that tourist attraction is all about like I didn't I just didn't get it there were some birds out there maybe or there seals I don't know I think we did see some dolphins along the way and that was okay but I mean I was super seasick and I mean, just hugging the rail at the back in case I needed to yak. I didn't. I'm sure I was a, a very nice shade of green. And this little kid, like Peter, he, he had this British accent and he was just running around all over the place. And I'm like, come on, Peter, you got to help me. But uh, after after that, I, I really did. My anxiety spiked and I didn't want to fly back. So we rented a car, like the smallest possible car from whatever rental car service. And drove back from LA to Charlotte and we drove all night through, you know, the beautiful New Mexico desert with the moon rise and just amazing colors. Um, Sarah drove through the night through the, you know, Texas panhandle and, and such as that. And we woke up the next morning and it was like, or I mean, not we, she was awake cause she was driving, but we, we didn't, you know, it was still a couple hours before we could get a hotel. So we called the rental car people and well, what happens if we get back a day or two early? Well, you'll save this hundreds of dollars. And we're like, well, all right then. So then it became the amazing race. And we take off and we we, we hustle to get gas and we, you know, we eat Arby's and just nasty stuff along the way. And we honestly drove on 40, on I-40 from, from Barstow, California, where it has the sign that says this, how far it is to Wilmington, North Carolina. We drove from there all the way to Charlotte. Now we passed by our house. Because our van was at the airport, Charlotte Douglas, and we had to go back and get it because we'd flown out there. So we, we drove by 35 hours, about 33 hours in, I was driving through the North Carolina mountains and I was like, hey, look, you know, you know how kudzu is, is gets over the trees and kudzu makes it look like a, like a, you could find a figure in it. And I was like, hey, look, it's a giant gopher. But at that point, I didn't think it looked like a giant gopher. I thought it was a giant gopher. And so... Sarah politely asked me to pull over so that she could drive because, you know, we were a little bit sleep deprived there. But we drove from L.A. to Charlotte in 36 hours, non nonstop. Like, I mean, stop for gas and food, but that was it. Um, that one definitely took some years off my off my life. Um, I, I've been rappelling like back to Frontier Ranch. Like we we went rappelling. I remember this girl that got stuck, like her hair got stuck in the carabiner or something like that, and she was just roasting up there. She ended up getting some serious sunburn. I'm not laughing at her necessarily. It's just a, a wild memory. I wasn't really good at the rappelling either. I think I ended up head down more than I was whatever you're supposed to be perpendicular to that mountain. Um, I, we hiked up this mountain to a, a mountain peak. And I remember me and me and the guys that I was with, like thought we were at the top and we just busted out and like sprinted. And it was a, a false bluff. Is that a real thing? And we just gassed, you know, and then we had to kind of just limp our way up to the top, but just snow capped peaks in July. Like, 
oh man, I love North Carolina. I love it, but I cannot wait to get back out to the Rocky Mountains in the West, the big sky country. I went canoeing just a couple of months ago with my friend and and uh, boss now, Mr. Shields, and he was he's a big fisher guy, and I'm not really a fisher guy. And so he's fishing, and I'm just sitting, looking at the beautiful river and enjoying the scene and pondering things. And that dude snuck up behind me with a stick and scared me like it was a snake. And I didn't know you could jump from your butt, but I did. I, I was up like three feet in the air at least. I went ice skating one time. I went ice skating. It was a freshman mixer at Davidson. And like like I was red, I was good, you know, and I was skating and I don't remember trying to impress anyone, although I wouldn't put it past me. And I ended up getting eight stitches in my chin. Um, I don't really remember where I went to get them. I guess I went to the ER. I, I guess the I don't even remember much about that at all. Not I was completely good to go. Like I, I wasn't drinking or anything like that. But I definitely ate the ice. Speaking of winter sports, I went skiing one time, and uh, Sarah took me skiing and to Sugar Mountain, probably I think in North Carolina. And I did the bunny slope. For about 30, 45 minutes. And I mean, I had, it was called Easy Street. That's what it was. I mean, I had it going. Like I, I, I had it. I was like, I was ready. And so then Sarah took me basically straight to the Black Diamond. And what I couldn't, um, now she will say it was just the next level up. But I'm pretty sure it was the top Black Diamond, like triple black. And I, I couldn't stop. Like that was my issue is I couldn't stop. And so getting off the ski lift became a real issue. And I was hollering at the people like, y'all got to move. I can't stop. And they didn't listen. And I ran right into them. I tried to tell them. Um, But then on the way down the mountain, I forgot to go side to side. And so I was just doing super G straight down the mountain. I mean, I was probably pushing, I don't know, 125, something like that. And I just had to fall or I was going to go straight through the ski lift. So that was the one time I went skiing. I have been camping a bunch of times, a bunch of times we, it just ended up in trouble, you know, like, on Pisgah a couple times. One time we got buried in snow. The wind would just, we could just hear it coming up the mountain. That was dumb. And one time we shot off fireworks and that was dumb. We got to meet the park rangers for that. Um, yeah, camping. I'm not much of a, a camper guy, I'll be honest. We camped in West Virginia, me and my friend Gabe. We went to Portsmouth for a, a, a concert festival to see widespread panic. It was right after Mikey had died. And so we were going and George McConnell was playing with them. And, oh, man, we left our tent in that space, too. It was just gross. It was just so wet. Anyway, I went to India one time. Sarah uh, lived in India for a year after she graduated high school and worked at an orphanage there with a man named Samuel Thomas, uh, hence my oldest boy's name. And uh, so I went over there for a couple of weeks when we were in college before we got engaged um and the the you know it was wild man it was wild and i'd be i'm not interested enough to do it but it would be interesting to go back and see what it's like 25 years later because i know there have been a huge there have been huge leaps in india which is now the world's largest population just surpassed china but but I'm, i'm sure there's still plenty of of poverty over there but wow man it was just like leper colonies and so many orphans and so much. Yeah, man, that was wild.
Um, I put this is it's kind of hard to to follow that. Um, I I put on my metal roof one time with my friend Scott Pitts, and I'm not really afraid of. I mean, I was kind of afraid of the heights, and you can't really grip yourself on a metal roof like you're slipping and sliding all the way around. I walked in the fog at Hilton Head one time and got completely lost. Like it was that much fog that I couldn't tell where my entry was. I just kind of had to wait until it until it uh, cleared up a little bit. I'm married two people. Um, I haven't been married to two people, but like I was the person that got to be the officiant at uh, two weddings. And that's pretty crazy. Like those are still two of my favorite memories of all the times. And that was a, that was a wild adventure for sure. What's going on currently at school is we got this construction going on and they're replacing the HVAC systems and um, we're in phase three, but they're doing phase two. But they kind of tried to get ahead, and so they've been dem- demoing, demolitioning, demolishing, uh, like just deconstructing all the, the parts that they'll need to do. And they actually took me off the HVAC system. So I'm going to be interested to see if my administrators are able to hook me up with a portable type AC for the next several weeks or how that's going to work out. I don't really have my hopes up. Um, and man, like, I don't know. I thought about making this more of the podcast, but I'm not going to get to teach AP government next year. I'm not going to get to teach AP psych next year for the first time in, in 19 years, I won't be teaching AP psych and it's, it's a real bummer. Like there, there are definitely cuts in the budgets and football is king. That's a real thing. And I know it is. Um, also know that there's a push towards charter education and school choice and that that's part of what's going on. And I also know a lot of people just didn't come back to school after COVID. And so it's a, it's a lot of factors, but it's a real bummer. I do get to pick up this AP seminar class, but I don't, honestly, I don't have a whole lot of hopes that that will go forward for very much longer. Um, so that's a real, I don't know. That's kind of a bummer. But the last one is the adventure of being mayor. And I'll tell you, we, we had this Pelican snowball place open up and it, uh, so there's a bunch of kids in this parking lot and these people cut through drivers cut through that parking lot to try to avoid our one traffic light, which you may get stuck at because it doesn't have a, a turning signal or whatever. We got one on the way. People have to sit through, you know, sometimes have to sit through three lights, which honestly is like three minutes, but people are in a hurry. And so sometimes they cut through and they cut through in a hurry. And so we're trying to figure out what can we do to make sure some kids don't get hit being proactive. If you're reactive, you don't want to be reactive to that situation. So we're trying to be proactive and we closed off this, this entrance, this parking lot. And this woman called me, man, this woman named Martha, and she called me and she told me how pissed off she was about that. But then it came to all the liberals that are taking over Bowling Springs, which is just hilarious. All the liberals that are associated with the college, basically what she's saying, if you haven't lived here for decades and decades and you shouldn't get to vote, you know, all the beer that they're providing now and just on and on. And I stayed on this call for way too long. I I listened to her for about 13 minutes and I started pushing back some. And I told her I disagreed with her stance on, you know, people can have a drink if they want to and still be considered, you know, Christian or or whatever. And she, she said later in the conversation, well, I have a glass of wine every now and I said, Ooh, Oh, and I probably shouldn't be like that, but she was just kind of, 
doing that kind of stuff. And then she just talked about it again, like the liberals taking over how we need to stand up and have conservative Christian values. And then right after that, she started talking junk about one of our council members. And I raised my voice more than I ever have to a voter. And I was like, so is that the kind of conservative Christian values that you're talking about? And I told her that that's why anybody want to listen to her. And I probably shouldn't have said that either, but it was true. But that was just one call. Like I get people that complain about stuff and that, and that's what I, that's why I like the job. I like to hear people out and I like to try to solve problems if I can help it. I like to try to explain why we can't solve the problem, you know, to their satisfaction if I can, if I can do it. And I enjoy that kind of stuff. I really do. I enjoy that part of, of being mayor. This guy called me, his name was Steve and he was telling me about how he's not really living in the RV because you can't live in the RV in town. You, or if you do, you got to be hooked up to our water system. You can't be running it off of somebody else's or something like that. And He's like, you know, sometimes I go in and, and watch TV, you know, with Penelope. And he just act like I knew who Penelope was. And so I'm just listening to him and having this great conversation. He was so kind. Anyway, the adventures of being mayor are a real thing. Well, let's take it to, to halftime uh, just for a little bit. And I want to give you a... A handyman update. I need to have my own special music intro for handyman update. But um, the thing that I was trying to do was was replace or reposition really the towel rack. We have two towel racks in this back bathroom where I am now in my nook, and the one on top is fine. It's secure, but the one on the bottom, like it just really has never been super secure, and so it continuously kind of falls off. And anyway, I was like, all right, Sarah was gone to visit her friend. And so I want to fix it because it, I know it's something that she wants me to fix. So I got my screwdriver out and I took the screws out and I was just going to replace, I was just going to move it over, like reposition it, just put it in a new secure spot in the wall because the screws are loose. And anyway, so I'm doing all that. I get this second one. And, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some spackle. Uh, I used to work with these guys from Trinidad um, painting. One of my first jobs painting at, at Garden Web dorm rooms. And they would always be talking about the spackle. And, uh, but I'm going to put that stuff on the holes and make it so that, you know, there are holes, uh, where the screws were, but then I get the spackle out of the, out of the thing. And there's like black dots in it. I don't know. I don't know. Is that mold? It's probably mold, right? So I'm I'm like, well, so I'm not going to touch where the black dots are, but I'm going to go and get me a finger full of the, the spackle stuff and put it on the holes. And it just was, it wasn't. It wasn't good. Like it wasn't good. So I tried to dig in a little bit, but it was just too hard. And now I've, I've put that stuff on there, but now my finger feels tainted. You know, like now I feel like I got mold on my finger. So I go and I wash it a couple times. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure why I'm so afraid of foodborne illnesses. I had this issue last night with this, this kefir that I drank when I took the lid off. It felt like maybe the lid wasn't snapped on like it's supposed to. So it's going to be tough for me to drink that now, you know, like, Maybe somebody infiltrated it while I was while it was at the store. I don't know why I've got this issue with foodborne illness. Although this one time I ate at this cafeteria called Jackson's Cafeteria, and I got like I was throwing up and doing all the things, like making decisions about which part of the toilet I'm going to use, which end of me is going to use the toilet. You know, I know that's gross and all that, and end up having to go to the ER where they put potassium in me because I was so dehydrated. And then I was singing like Clint Black. What is that song? I'm gonna spend my time. Like it's going out of style. I was singing that like just delirious. You know, my dad's there. Um, Sarah got there later. I think she was in Statesville maybe. And 
uh, the, the ER was full, I guess it was a Saturday probably. And so there was this curtain between me and this other woman. She's over there just, Oh, you know, she's having all the, all the pains and stuff and thought she was having a heart attack. She didn't, it was just gas pains. It turns out. Uh, so I want you to understand that before I say this next thing, but she's over there talking to her preacher. Now I'm delirious. I got this potassium going into my vein, which really hurt. I wanted him to take it out. Um, and the preacher man came in to, to say a prayer for this lady who was having the heart pains, gas pains. And I yelled across. I was like, send one up for me too, preacher. And my dad punched me right in my arm. Anyway, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I've got some kind of taste aversion with, or, or some kind anyway. But the, but the, the spackle didn't work. So I went and I, I found some other stuff. It was, it's like silicone. I knew that wasn't really what I needed, but I thought that the little circle bracket part was going to go over the holes anyway. So I'm just trying to fill them in a little bit. That didn't really work. And then like, it's got these bracket hanger things that you screw into the wall. And then you put this little circle thing over the top of it. And then the bar keeps the two circle things together, but I couldn't get the circle thing to hang on there. And I tried like the same way 55 times. I know what they say about insanity. I understand that. But uh, finally, I was just like, whatever. And just left all the stuff in the floor, the towel rack, screwdriver, all the stuff still down on the floor right here behind me. And I'm going to have to figure out a different plan. And so my handyman streak of fixing things came to a screeching halt. I guess I'm going to have to get Isaac to hook it up. But I did go and walk around the yard and try to visualize like some cool stuff. Maybe I'm going to be a landscaper. Maybe I'll be a landscaper. Um, and it is a great time for me because it's uh, it, the, all the pollen, little pollen bombs are dropping from my oaks. And that gets in the driveway. And then when it rains a little bit, it just stays in the driveway. And so I can take my blower out there and blow them all away. And it makes me glad. And I got into the gutters. Like I blew the gutters out with my blower, which is an amazing. I'm so glad I learned that trick a couple years ago. But then I realized there's like a trillion nails in there because they just redid my roof. And there's all these nails in the gutter. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to get those out. I guess I could just pick them up. But it seems like a cool magnet would be more fun. And I don't know. This isn't really part of the handyman update. But did I tell you about this? And if I did, then I'll tell you again. And I'll probably keep telling you. But Sam worked with this kid. And all the kid said was boom shakalaka. And he would just say it in whatever way. Like if he was happy, he would be like boom shakalaka. But if he was sad or bored, he'd just be like, boom, shakalaka. And that was all he did all day long. And that was, uh, I thought that was really awesome. I saw a shirt that said, boom, shakalaka. And if Sam was still working with this kid, I would have definitely got it for him. <clears throat> just a couple things uh, to wrap up here in a second. Half, I've been thinking about leadership. And this is, this is some of the things, like, I, I've been a leader you know, I talked about this some last week about how I had this struggle to belong and, and um, this need to belong. And yet I also have this desire to be the leader. And I, I've just been thinking about that. And I, you know, from from whatever, like from, you know, elementary classrooms to elementary sports teams, you know, I, in eighth grade, I, I won the oratorical contest, even though like eighth grade was an awful year for me. Um you know, thinking back, like my, anyway, like zits on my face and I had the spotlight effect. I thought everybody was making fun of me and I didn't think I had any friends and all that, but still I was performing at a high level, you know, a leader in my English class. And, but I, you know, I became a leader 
in high school as well. I was the pledge class president at Davidson for Sigma Phi Epsilon. You know, I was student body, I mean, a, a senior class president at Gardner Webb. You know, I'm the mayor, whatever, like leader in the department, even though I don't even know what that means anymore. That becomes more difficult at the schoolhouse. But I, I was talking to that uh, with, with my therapist and um, at Living Lotus, and she asked me what I thought leadership meant. And uh, I didn't put this first one in there, but I've added in since. I don't think you have to be competent to be a good leader. I think we've seen people who aren't competent. And what I mean by competent, I guess, is more like that you know what you're doing, that you understand the content, that you are educated about it, that you are intelligent about it. You don't have to have that, but I do think it's very, very helpful. But but what I said at the time was inspiration and encouragement. And I think that I'm I'm pretty good at those kinds of things. I like to read and be inspired myself. And I like to share that inspiration with other people. And then I like to give them the courage to go forward with it. And and my, my, my person says, uh, and, and modeling, you know, and that's right. That's right. Modeling is a great part of leadership. I try to do that in my, in my classroom where I let them know that I don't know all the answers. Um, I try to model how to consider and look things up. I try to model how to, how to behave. I try to model how to be kind and generous to my kids. I try to model, you know, uh, uh, civic dialogue in terms of being mayor. And I think that's really, that's really good. But I, I was thinking about modeling my struggles and I think that's what this podcast is for me. And I've thought about the madness trio that I've been dealing with here. And that's the longing to belong, you know, my, my loneliness in a way of, of, of not belonging to some type of community or some type of group, at least the ways that I have perhaps, Anger. I have some anger in me for sure. And I found that out, especially when I was talking to to Martha and she was talking about all the liberals. If you just knew this town, you would laugh at how ridiculous that is. Um, and fear, like like my, my loneliness, my anger and my fear. Those are kind of the trio of BT madness. And I think that's what I wrestle with here. Like, for me, fear is, it, it often expresses itself in like medical type anxiety or worrying about what, you know, what might be wrong with me. And I don't know if that goes, I'm, I'm sure that's not just physical. Um, but I do want to model that, you know, I want to model those, all those different ways that, that I, that I struggle. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about that I, that I was forced to think about because of, of my, my sessions with, with my counselor is that what I try to do sometimes I think, because I, I want to fix it. I want to fix your struggles. I want to fix your wrestling with existence. And the reality is I can't do that. First of all, like I, that's not in my control. Um, and even if it was, it wouldn't be right. I shouldn't, I shouldn't take away your opportunity to experience sadness and tragedy and all those types of things because it is out of those types of suffering where we find so much growth in life and love. And so I'm working on modeling, letting that go as well. Yeah, I, I guess I should have played the music for good time, uh, for tea time with Mara. 
but but it, to that end, I've, I've been doing some meditation practice, and I've, I've dabbled in this for years and years. I went to a monastery with my guy Seth a long time ago, and we we, we kind of learned about centering prayer and just the silence of it all. And so I've been practicing for 20 minutes at a time. I'm on, I, I did day five this morning down at the river. It's way much easier to do at the river, but um, <laughs> there is no goal, right? There is no goal for the meditation, just sitting and trying not to think about things. Honestly, like it's, if, if thoughts come to your mind, then you gently push those thoughts away or let those thoughts flow away and if it happens a thousand times or ten thousand times then you you try to work back and and you have anchors and anchors can be sound for me that works very well at the river it can be my breath just kind of concentrating on breathing in and breathing out um i should not be considering the word cloud you know i should not be considering what i'm going to say on the podcast um or I, i shouldn't say should not but like that is not emptying my mind you know like but I, but I do consider those kinds of things, which is interesting to me to think about, like how much producing this podcast is central uh, in my thinking. But I, but I kind of generated or visualized a word cloud on the first day. And a lot of the things, like a lot of the thoughts that would come to my mind that I would become conscious of, that I would notice, which I think is what is going to be a great benefit of the practice, being able to notice emotions and thoughts and sensations and these types of things that arise and then allowing them to pass on as they will and continuing to still be still and um, perhaps calm and those types of things. But, but fear was a huge one for me. A lot of things had to do with fear, in particular snakes. And I saw one of those suckers today at the river. Um, just laying in the middle. I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, so much of it was about time. I have I set a timer for 20 minutes. It has an Insight Timer is a cool app, and it it has some bells and stuff that it will play if you're interested in it. Um, but it was just so much about time. Like, how much longer is this going to be? It often seems like I put a bell in the middle at 10 minutes to kind of call me back if I need to. Sometimes I'll get taken away on a on a train of thought and it'll take me a little bit to kind of snap back into to, to return to my anchor of my breath. Um, but time was is a is a huge thing that I've been that I've been that 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 clouds my mind. I think I'm okay with saying it that way. Day two, I was trying to count my breath, like just breathe in one, out one, in two. But what I found myself doing about about, I don't know, a couple into it, was thinking about the amendments to the, to the Constitution. Um, AB government's coming up, and, and so I had to abandon that because um, I guess I could have kept going if I would have got to 28, then I could have been okay. But that was something that was happening for sure. I got startled at 19 minutes because I thought I heard a bunch of horses coming down the path. Like a bunch of horses, you know what I'm saying? Like a stampede of horses, which is not a thing that's going to happen. Um, but again, more more and more time. I will sometimes think about like just doing a guided meditation. Um, perhaps that will help me be more structured and disciplined. And then I'll think about when I'll do that. And then that will lead to, oh, well, Sarah will be home then. And then, oh, this is about food and this about this and this. Like that kind of train will take off. Um, it's just really, I don't know, really interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about where this path is going to lead, especially dealing with 
my madness trio of longing to belong or loneliness and anger and fear. Isaac, uh, we went to the, um, the tennis tournament. I mentioned that last week and, um, there was a fountain there, but the fountain didn't shoot up all the time. Like it would, I don't know, ebb and flow or whatever, but Isaac said it was an inconsistent fountain and he, he didn't like it. Um, Sid said she killed a butterfly driving to um, her counseling the other day and she was not up unhappy about it. I want you to understand, which I think is like a great rock song grunge. Maybe if grunge comes back, like I killed a butterfly on the way to counseling. But the, one of the reasons why she is not a big fan of butterflies is because they're inconsistent because you don't know, like maybe they don't know. They may fly right at you. Not that they can do anything to you necessarily. And then, like I said, there was a snake on the path this morning and it was not a black snake. And I don't know if it was like a water snake or if it was a straight up copperhead, but I wasn't going to get close enough. And so I saw it and it looked just like a stick in the middle. And I I don't, I always look down when I'm walking on the path, but mostly because I don't want to kick, kick a rock or something, hurt my toe. But I'm glad I was, although this is one of those wild sensation things where I wasn't conscious of it, but I had already stopped, you know? So like my senses had processed it and then I became conscious of it. So that's an, that's an interesting thing to think about, but I didn't know what to do. And so I backed up a little bit. I know you're not supposed to agitate the thing because if it gets mad and coils up, then you, then you can't get close to it, you know? And it, but I, I backed up a little bit. I just wanted it to move out of the path. And I threw a couple rocks towards it and it didn't, it didn't move. It didn't flinch. I didn't really get close with the rocks. Honestly, I was off. My aim was off. So then I'm like, Hey buddy, go ahead and move on over. Come on. Why don't you just move on over? And I'm talking to it. I wasn't listening. So I contemplated, I had the thought, the real thought of, okay, if I run and jump, like do a fakie, you know what I'm saying? Like a, a, a skateboard move and pull my legs up. And can I run and jump over this thing? And that even if it springs towards me, I'll be up above it and over it before the time it can get, it can get me. And then like, I realized I'm 45 years old and this is not what's, this is not what's going to be a good idea. So I just hiked up through the briars, up the bank, through the wet briars and, oh man, the snake still didn't move. So anyway. But it is that inconsistency, you know, it's it's the things that don't seem to be in our control. It, they aren't. It, it's not about seeming. Um, in Song of Myself, I believe it's 51, Whitman says, The past and present wilt. I have filled them, emptied them, and proceed to fill my next fold of the future. Listener up there, what have you to confide to me? Look in my face while I snuff the sidle of evening. Talk honestly, no one else hears you, and I stay only a minute longer. Do I contradict myself? Very well, then, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. I concentrate toward them that are nigh. I wait on the door slab. Who has done his day's work? Who will soonest be through with his supper? Who wishes to walk with me? Will you speak before I am gone? Will you prove already too late? I love Whitman and I love Leaves of Grass and I have for a long time. And I've been reading Anne Napolitano 
I started with Hello Beautiful, and then I read Dear Edward. Uh, I finished her Flannery O'Connor book called A Good Hard Look. I'm looking for the other one, although the only book I can find on Amazon right now has it listed at $892. So uh, I actually emailed Ann Napolitano. She emailed me back and suggested that a library was probably going to be the the surest way to secure the, the, the her first book, which is called Within, Within Arm's Reach. But, but in Hello Beautiful, one of the characters reads Whitman, and I identified with that guy a little bit. And it made me want to think about it some more. And... Do I contradict myself very well then? I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes because it's not just the butterfly or the fountain or that snake that's inconsistent, that's unpredictable. It's me. You know? I'm not consistent all the time, which is what, you know, consistent means. But I'm trying to model that struggle. I'm trying to model that life and work on that madness trio. And uh, I'm glad you're along the ride with me. Well, this has been a Church of Six production brought to you by the Magic Rock times two, by the Wall of Belief, by the Foundation Tower of Stone, the Token of Hope, and the Bucket of Life. And we've got a new one. I haven't come up with a name yet. I thought about Whiteboard of Wonder or perhaps the board of blessing, but we're keeping, keeping a, a list of who we would like to send a gift to, you know, a gift of encouragement, something to that effect. You don't have to write the name on there because as the scripture says, sometimes it's better. In fact, often it's better to keep your left hand and your right hand, not knowing what's, what they're doing, you know, but uh, if you get a, a secret gift in, in the mail, uh, or if you want one, you can send your address to me, DT underscore madness on Instagram worldwide underscore 96 at yahoo.com anyway nothing divine is desperate don't forget to believe and be live I'm really working on that second part trying to be live trying to be here now modeling the multitudes peace my friends